0: Good morning, church family. What a joy to see you in the house of the Lord today. We sing holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Would you stand and let's sing praises to the Lord today. Amen today. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Welcome to worship. No matter if you're watching online or present with us here in the sanctuary, there really is no better place for you to be on this day. We're so thankful that you're here and joining us for worship. Welcome to all of you. As you heard Pastor Stewart say, make sure you fill out that connection card if you're visiting with us, if you are our guest today. That just helps us connect with you better. As you heard him say, Pastor Stewart is away today for some much-deserved R and R, you will agree with me that he has led us well amen during this time of pandemic and so just some time away is a good thing for our pastor and we're grateful that he has that time away so in his place today our associate pastor thomas martin is going to be preaching to us today on the subject of jonah's heart and thomas would love to meet you at the close of our service to greet you and to give you a gift it is a copy of our pastor's book the privilege of worship so at the close of our service guests anyone else would you join him out there and just me today we are worshiping the lord with all that is within us we are building our lives on the call of christ this is a song that our students taught us and that we've sung before it's called build my life we're going to worship and so as we worship however that means for you if you respond you join us as we do that together today Jesus, the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name, Jesus, the only one who could ever save, worthy of every breath we can ever breathe, we live for you, oh. Here I am. I stand amazed in the presence. Let's lift our voices together today in song and worship the Lord Jesus together. Praise the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Father, we can do nothing but say how wonderful and how marvelous what you have done in our lives as believers. And We come together this morning to say thank you for what you have done. And we know what you have done, and we're excited about what you can do and will do. And so we pray right now for each one of us in this room, each one watching on our eye campus, that you would speak to our hearts, that that we would hear the message that you have as we look at the life of Jonah today, and that you would use it to guide us and to show us what it is we need to do. But Father, we don't want to just pray for us. We're here because someone did share the gospel with us. And so we just want to lift up those that we've been praying for, whether it's through our Hoosier One, or maybe the people we come into contact with at grocery stores or gas stations or around, or as school's getting back together, we think of so many friends. Father, we pray for those that they too may hear the good news, that they too may come into a relationship with you. And Father, it's my prayer that you would use us to make that possible. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.
0: came to you with my heart in pieces and found the God with healing in His hands. I turned to you, put everything behind me and found the God who makes all things new. I look to you, Drowning in my questions, and found the God who holds always down. And I trusted you, and stepped out on the oceans. You caught my hand among the waves, because you're you're the the God God of all my days.
2: pursues, I hid from you, haunted by my failure, and found the God whose grace still covers me.
0: I fell on you when I was at my weakest, and found the God, the lifter of my head and i worshiped you and felt you right
2: beside me you're the reason that i sing
0: you're the god My weakness got is- you,
1: Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. That's it. That's the entire message that we know that Jonah preached to the town of Nineveh. And the brevity of that message is what makes this minor prophet, or this book of minor prophets, Jonah, so unique. See, typically when we look at those prophecies we hear God's whole message either to a person or to a group of people but in this case we don't get that that was the entire message that was recorded in four whole chapters instead Jonah is a message about the prophet's heart as it relates to the call that he had on his life and since it relates to his call that he has Let's begin right there in Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Metiti. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, if you've been reading through your Bible this year, you've probably already made it past 2 Kings, so you know that this is not the first time that Jonah's been mentioned in the Bible. In 2 Kings, we find that he prophesied for King Jeroboam II of Israel. And he told him, all right, the land up to the north, God's on your side right now. Now, God didn't think he was a great king, but God was on his side in this matter. And so he said, go ahead, go retake that land that David once had. So we know that Jonah has this ability to be a prophet and be a good one because that came to pass. And we know, or we can know with good confidence that Jonah knew a lot about Nineveh. Later on, it tells us that Nineveh had about 120,000 people in it which if we look at Rapids Parish, we're about 129,000 people. So take almost everybody in this parish, cram them together into one city, and then say, you are the capital of all the land that's around us. That's kind of what Nineveh was like, except for the exception that jonah didn't like nineveh because it was part of assyria and assyria was that country that was just always kind of looming on the horizon against israel and so he wasn't too excited about that but nevertheless he was a prophet called by god so we expect him to go but then we get to verse 3 and we find out he's not the type of prophet we kind of expect from everybody we find out that Jonah attempted to run from the call that he was given. We pick up in verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. In short, God says... All right, go east about 500 miles and preach to the capital of Assyria. Yes, I know it's your enemies, but go do that and tell them they are a wicked people. Sounds like something you want to do if you don't like the people, right? You get to preach against them. But Jonah, he goes out of the hills and goes to the shore towards the east, and then he gets on a boat and goes even further east and he's shooting for some 2500 miles or 2500 miles west I should say so he's going in the total opposite direction not just a little bit but practically as far as he can get he wants nothing to do with the message that God has sent him to give but you know thankfully for Jonah and ultimately for us God doesn't let go that easily he sees Jonah attempting to run and he sends a large wind that creates such a violent storm that the sh- ship begins to, to tear apart. And because we know that Jonah's not on the ship by himself, he doesn't know about sailing. There are other sailors there. And so we begin this, transfer, or this conversation between Jonah and the sailors. And we're not going to read every verse in that. So that's all right, right? We're going to hopefully get out of here on time. So let's just talk about that real fast. Their sailors respond to that storm that God whipped up in the only way that they knew how to do it. They begin to pray to their own gods, right? That kind of sounds like a good thing to do, except for it's the wrong gods. And then they begin to toss all that cargo overboard. Now, as you know, if your job is to transport the cargo from point A to point B, and you're throwing all the cargo overboard, that's what you're getting paid to do you are scared to death. You're just throwing all your money out, right? So, I mean, they were scared. And the guy who's normally not on a ship, he's just down in the ship, just sleeping away, not even paying any attention. And we don't know if that's because he's too tired from the mental and physical travels of his journey, or maybe it's because... He's traveled all this way, and so he thinks, I'm on this ship. I'm in the middle of the sea. I'm down below sea level. God can't find me. All my worries are taken care of. But it wasn't long before the captain comes down to wake him up. And the captain says, hey, we've been praying to our gods, and our gods are doing nothing. You call on your God and see if he can help us. And for the second time, the sailors do what they know how to do. Except for this time, they're a little too impatient just to pray. And I guess they figured out that didn't work. So they decide to cast lots. They want a definitive answer. And the result? Jonah. Jonah's the problem. So they barrage him with all these questions. Who's responsible? What do you do? What is your country? And finally... We hear a word from Jonah himself. And I think it's kind of funny that even though he's trying to run from God and he's trying not to do God's work as a prophet, he ends up sharing exactly what the sailors needed to hear. In verse 9 it says, He answered them, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors had already known that he was running from God. He had told them that at some point. And then he says that his God is the God of the sea. Well, it did not take him long to put those two things together and figure out this is not going well. This is a problem. So they asked Jonah, what do we do to calm the sea? And Jonah gives his second response, which we would think would be repentance because he's a prophet. He knows these things. But instead he says, just pick me up and throw me into the sea. Just toss me off the boat and that's going to take care of it. And so the sailors, I mean, they figure out he is human. They have some compassion. And so they again do what they know how to do. They grab the oars and they start rowing. And they still can't get to land. It didn't work. So finally they go with Jonah's plan. But before they go through with it, even they decide to pray to Jonah's God, and we see part of that in verse 14. They cried to the Lord, "O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for living an innocent man for you, or for killing an innocent man for you. O Lord, have done as you pleased." So the sailors pray. They toss Jonah overboard. And the sea is calm. Jonah's attempt to run from God ended up having two different results. First, the sailors who tried to save themselves ended up praying to the Lord. They ended up fearing the Lord. They even made vows to him. That's a pretty good result for a prophet that was trying really hard not to be a prophet at all. But then the second result is, Jonah had to listen to. Of course, as we know if we've read this before, Jonah takes a little bit more convincing before he gets to that point. In verse 17 of chapter one, we read, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Jonah needed three more days of trauma and soul searching before he too could call on the Lord to help save him and when we get to the end of the prayer that we find in chapter 2 it says and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground I think a lot of times when we read this we look at Jonah and we think how How can he do this? He is God's prophet. He knows what God is like. He knows what God does. Why? Why would he even try? But I believe what we should really be thinking after reading this is more like something along the lines that God's call remains whether we want it to or not. We can try to run, but the call is there. When we receive an instruction or a call from God, our response isn't always immediate if we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes we act like the sailors. We try to fix it ourselves. We try to do it how we best know how to do it. And other times we act like Jonah. We just run away and ignore the call like it's never been there. But in both instances, I think later on, we would say, you know, if I had listened and obeyed there wouldn't even have been a problem because i'd have been where god wanted me to be the call is still there what has he called you to do so we've seen jonah's heart which attempted to run from the call and then we move to chapter three we find that jonah's heart met just the letter of the call as we read, we'll see his attitude is a little bit more like the prophets that we would expect them to be, but not completely like we would expect it to be. So let's look at this call again that's given a second time in Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the proclaim to it the message I give you so we're, we're getting better right we've got the same call and we're told to do the same thing so we think this is going to go well but then we move on to that third verse Jonah obeyed and the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh now Nineveh was a very important city a visit required three days on the first day Jonah started into the city and he proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. In Hebrew, that phrase, in 40 more days Nineveh will be overturned, is just five words. It's as if Jonah says, All right, God, you got my attention. I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to go to this town, even though I don't really want to. And I'm going to preach the message that you have sent me to preach. But it's almost like he's doing, I'm going to do it as quick as I can. Five words and I'm out of here. I did my part. It's all up to you now. It's kind of the idea that I get when I read through that. But you know, even that half-hearted message had one of the most fruitful responses that we read in scripture verse five tells us that jonah went out or excuse me the ninevites believed god they declared a fast and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth the ninevites these people who lived in this big old city who had all this military power had all this economic wealth who believed in just a numerous gods with one short message decides the entire town is going to believe Hmm. in response they start a fast they take off their normal clothes put on the sackcloth to demonstrate their repentance and their remorse and all the things that they've done wrong but then it goes on to tell us that not just the common people believe Jonah, but the king does as well. The one who has ruling power all over, over all the military and the economics and all of that, he too believes this brief message that's preached. And it says he took off his royal robes and covered himself with sackcloth. And eventually it even tells us that he sits down in the dust he was truly remorseful as well. And that could come for various reasons. It, obviously, it's because of God and God's power in the lives of someone who's listening to his message. But, you know, he was a good military leader, and so he knew his enemies. So he knew those prophecies that had been done before about King Jeroboam expanding the territory. So he knew that when Jonah spoke, God used him In mighty ways. So he looked at that and said, All right, this is real. We need to do something about that. And so he responds as well, and he gives this decree to the people. And part of that decree we read in verse 9, he says, Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger, so that we will not. Perish. In other words, I don't really know 100%, but this is one of those things we need to listen, we need to pay attention, and we need to do this because Jonah said it, and God does use Jonah. In the last verse, we get the result of what happens this time. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He had compassion and did not bring up, or did not bring upon them the destruction He had threatened. God simply showed who God is—a God of compassion. Throughout the Re- Old Testament, we repeatedly see that pattern where the people sin, God brings some kind of oppression or. Or deliver some kind of judgment, and the people repent, and God brings deliverance. And we've seen it again here. It reminds us that God's plan will succeed despite our efforts. For Jonah, we do get that idea that he didn't really put 100% of his effort into the work that God had called him to do. And I think before we cast judgment on him for that, we need to examine our own lives and the calls that God has placed in our lives. How many times has God called us to do something? Maybe change a career? Speak out against an injustice? Maybe just tell the truth when it would not be convenient? How about sharing the gospel with someone? But instead, we run and try to hide. Or at best, we too kind of do it half-heartedly. I think if we're honest, we've all fallen into that category. Maybe we're in that category right now. I don't know. But God still works through us. Now, before you get too excited and say, okay, good, God used Jonah, even though Jonah messed up, I'm messing up, so I don't have to worry about anything, don't hear me say that I'm saying it's good or acceptable to run from God or try and hide from God. I am not. I'm saying that I'm thankful that in spite of me and my efforts, God still works. When all I see is what I can see, i try to make that work but god sees so much more and he has a plan and it's going to come to fruition so we've seen that jonah's heart attempted to run from god we've seen that he met the letter of the call but now in this final chapter we're going to see that jonah's heart encountered the true spirit of the call now for most preachers An entire city, including the king, coming to have a relationship with Christ would be the best thing ever. In fact, you wouldn't be able to talk to him because all you would see is their feet floating by because they're on cloud nine. But as we've come to learn from Jonah, that's not always how he responds to things. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Instead of being excited, Jonah was mad, not just disappointed, not just upset. He was mad, spitting, tax, mad. He was not happy. And there it is. We finally see what's been happening since the very first call. He just does not like these people. God's called him to do something for these people, to help these people, and Jonah doesn't like him like them he couldn't stand the Ninevites you would think that'd be good right I don't like the Ninevites God's mad at the Ninevites I'm gonna go deliver this message and say that God's mad at you and he's gonna do bad stuff to you that sounds like a great thing but Jonah knew his God and he knew his God had compassion he knew his God was gracious and would relent if they repented God replies to his own statement about just kill me again right tried that in the ocean didn't or the sea and it didn't work so I, I'm just so mad just, just get rid of me I don't have anything to do with this at all and God replies with one powerful question Have you any right to be angry? Have you ever thought about that question when you're angry? Most of the time when we get angry, it's all because something we want or we think should happen is not what's happening. And we get mad and we get angry because we're seeing here where God sees it all. He knows the plan of what's happening. One commentator writes, is the anger you have causing something good to happen? Most of the time when we're angry, nope. As I mentioned, it's because it's what we want and it's not happening. It's not necessarily for something good. Again, don't hear me wrong. There are some times to be angry right even Jesus got angry but the question is why are we angry are we trying to use that for something good I think like we often do Jonah just ignores the question and he might have ignored it because he wasn't really listening to it which I find that hard to believe because it's God asking the question Probably he was ignoring it because he didn't like the answer that he was supposed to be giving at that time. And so he just ignores God and decides, you know what, I'm just going to throw a little temper tantrum. So we read in verse 5, Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live jonah goes out east of the city builds a shelter to sit under plops himself down and watches to see what's going to happen don't you find that kind of funny he knows what's going to happen he's not happy about what's going to happen but he wants to go and to watch what's happening anyway you know our pastor often talks about when there's an issue coming up We can pour gasoline on it, or we can pour water on it. Well, Jonah has an issue in his own life, and he wants more gasoline. Pour the gasoline. I want to see what God's going to do, how he's going to save these people, even though I don't want them to be saved at all. He's just trying to be miserable. So God comes to his rescue. And for a third time in the story, he shows his power over nature, except for using a storm or a fish he decides to use a plant so in one day this plant grows and provides shade for Jonah and of course this makes Jonah happy he's in the shade just sitting waiting getting more angry seeing what God's going to do even though he knows what God's going to do and though Jonah believes he is comfortable God knows he's not God knows that He is truly uncomfortable. And for the fourth time, God proves he's God over all nature and provides a worm to chew up the vine and to cause it to weather just as fast as it caused it to grow. And then, to top that off, more scorching heat and wind to make Jonah even more miserable. And again, he says, I just want to die repentance for him isn't an option he just wants to die and get it over with jonah just wasn't getting that big picture that god had in store so god got a little more specific with him verse nine but god said to jonah do you have a right to be angry about the vine i do he replied I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about the vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. All right, Jonah, we started talking about the people of Nineveh, but you decided you don't like those people, so you weren't going to do what I said that you were supposed to do i've already asked you what makes you angry and you didn't really answer that question so let me get more specific do you have a right to be angry about the vine you recognize that i was in control of the sea and the land when you were with the sailors and you recognize i provided this great fish to save your life when you were drowning in the sea well how about this plant The one that provided you shade and comfort. But Jonah was still so mad and angry. He just wanted to die. It's like this time God just lays it all out there for Jonah. Look, Jonah, I hear you telling me that you care about this plant. But here's the reality. You haven't done squat with the plant Did you tend it? Did you make it grow? No. God says I did that. I provided the plant to bring you comfort. And I provided that plant to bring you comfort because I care about you. You. You know, the person who sometimes obeys me The one who sometimes just is tempted to run away and hide from me. Sometimes the one that just kind of lives out the letter of the law. Yet despite all of that, I care about you and I'm gracious and I'm compassionate with you. And the entire book ends with a single question. Really, it's kind of the question the whole book has been leading up to, and we find that in verse 11. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about the great city? I was concerned with a single renegade like you, but you don't want me to be concerned with hundred twenty thousand people and the story ends no response from jonah we know what the response should be but at the same time every time we think we know what jonah should respond he typically doesn't but i think it's done so that we can ask that question of ourselves as well we might ask it this way what is my true heartfelt response to God's call? What do I really believe? What do I really want to do as a response? You know, as believers, we all have different calls on our life. Some of those calls we share, like the Great Commission, we all share a call to share the gospel with somebody else. Some of those calls are private and individual, or an individual. It may be for things like leadership positions, or parenthood, or education, or ministries. It's probably as varied as everybody that's in this room right now. But we're all called. The question is, what is my true, heartfelt response to that call? Let's pray together. Father this morning we've looked at one of your messengers and how you called his life and father i know that as christians you have called every one of us in some manner so i pray that during this time that you would speak to us and that we would listen And more importantly, that we would obey. So I pray in Christ's name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And we all have a call. If we're not a Christian yet, that call is to accept a relationship with Christ. If we are... A christian god has put different calls in our life and sometimes you know we act like the sailors and we try to do it ourselves and it doesn't work and sometimes we try to do like jonah and we either run away or we just kind of half-heartedly do it and it doesn't work now's the time to say whatever you want lord you're the one in control you have the land and the sea and to respond if you're in the room We invite you to come, and if you want to respond to the Lord by kneeling and praying at the altar, that's there to do that. I'll be down front if you'd like to share that with me. If you're watching online through our iCampus, there's a decision card at fbcpineville.net forward slash decision card. We'd love to hear from you as well. Would you stand and sing and respond to the Lord?
0: Thank you for being here today. What a pleasure to have you in worship today. Pray that it's a great week for you and that you are safe and just continue to give to our church as we continue to do ministry. You may do that as we exit. Dwayne Kinnison, come and close us in our prayer today. Thank you, Thomas, for the message that you brought to us today. It's so timely father as we come before you today that there's so many times that there's a little bit of jonah in each one of us father help us to father i just thank you for your love and care even though we fail you thank you for your message today go with us now as we go back out into the world help us to Be that person that you would want us to be. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen.